MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Live from Sin City today. Rolling on on Fox Sports Radio. Kind enough to be the uh, welcome in by the Coaches versus Cancer Group, Las Vegas Golf Class. We'll get to more of that uh, upcoming in the show. But uh, what an outstanding sports weekend. We can stop pretending we care about horse racing, although... It actually was an interesting horse race. I'm told the hockey playoffs continue on, but uh, sorry, could not possibly care any less. And LeBron James, well, didn't look like LeBron James yesterday. That's where we'll begin. That's probably where we'll end. It's really interesting to me. There was a lot of discussions 
throughout last week and into the weekend and now coming out of the weekend about LeBron James and about the number one seed and about the Boston Celtics. All right, let's let's start at the beginning of last night because the series was over and it still probably is over. It's just not completely over. It's like in The Princess Bride where you he wasn't all he wasn't all the way dead. He was mostly dead, which, as we've known, is somewhat alive. That doesn't mean that the Celtics were blabing or bluffing. That just means that the Cavs are the better team. Nobody's disputing that. And Isaiah Thomas being out, though that changes the Celtics and in many ways gives them a little bit more versatility, still you take away the leading scorer from a team that had inferior talent and had a bad matchup in comparison to the Cavs. There's a reason they were down 21 points last night. But alas, Marcus Smart hit seven threes. Jonas Jerebko uh, hit two big late threes. LeBron James had one of his worst playoff performances ever. The Cavs could not get a stop late, and even though Kyrie Irving had 29 and Kevin Love had 28, Love had all seven of his threes in the first half. The Boston Celtics come storming back and behind a beautifully drawn-up play from the maestro himself, Brad Stevens. It's one thing for the shot to go in. Shots go in, shots don't go in. You hear the cliché from NBA front office people, from coaches and players, and, of course, now feeds down to the broadcasters. Make or miss league. But the truth is that most plays in the NBA don't create open shots. They create mismatches. That one created a wide-open jump shot. That was the fact that it went in and the way it went in made it look different than it actually was. Brad Stevens called timeout, drew up a play, and it worked for perfection, and they took the very last shot of the game, and it went in. Perfect execution, and, of course, it went in. The result is what we react to. I'm reacting more to the process. The timing, the play, the fact that he was wide open because of the design of the play was all perfect, and then it happened to go in. And the more oftentimes you get an open look in the NBA, guys are going to make 75 80% of those shots. But all anybody wants to talk about is LeBreezy, is LeBron James, and whether or not now we take him off the pedestal that some people, like Nick Wright Friday on the show, put him on next to Michael Jordan. What I tweeted out last night was, look, guys are entitled to having a bad game. They are. Jordan had bad games. Magic had bad games. Bird had bad games. Kobe had lots of bad games in the playoffs. Shaq would have bad games. They've all had bad games. Durant's had bad games. What... I, we, we get into this better or worse thing, and that's not the smart argument. It's They're different, and here's why they're different. LeBron didn't have it last night by his own est- estimation. I'll play that for you in a second. Did not have it. But when LeBron doesn't have it, he's not Kobe Bryant where he's going to sheer force of will still keep shooting. He's not going to Michael Jordan and try and get to the free throw line. He's going to defer. This is LeBron James is a different superstar than we've ever seen in that he can make the league quiver because when he's got it going, there is literally no one in the world that can stop him, especially based upon the way in which NBA games are now officiated. On the other hand, when he doesn't have it going, he's okay letting other guys play, and we just haven't seen that before. Here's Tyron Lue explaining why his best player and the best player in the world had a bad night. Um... um, He said this about the fact that he's human. He's a human being. He's human. And because he's human, human beings are tired and have a bad night and don't play well. 
he's human, so he's, he's going to have a night like this. And um, he didn't shoot the ball well. And we still had a, you know, 20-point lead. And um, a game we should have won, but, you know, um, they played hard. They scrapped. They have a scrappy team. We knew that coming into tonight. Um, knew it wouldn't be easy, but, um, you know, got some things we can correct and come back ready to go on Tuesday. You may think this is too many takeaways from one game, but to me, this makes all of my points all kind of come together. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. So uh, the, the points are kind of in non-sequential order. Look, LeBron James has a conscience. It's one of the things that, it's one of the things that, that I think intelligence brings. He's a very smart person, a very smart basketball player, but sometimes he overthinks things. And I think this is something he overthinks his jump shot. When he's not making it, he can lose confidence in it. We've seen it in finals in the past. Even championships they've won, championships they've lost. There are times in which he will lose confidence in his jump shot. That didn't happen to Jordan. That didn't happen to Bird. That didn't happen to Magic. That didn't happen to Kobe. That didn't happen to other other greats. They don't lose confidence. He does. Uh, I would also say that to people who say, well, like LeBron James, look at how he's played. Look at how much he means to that team. How they can't win unless he performs. He should be the MVP. Well, remember, the MVP of the regular season, the smart thing about LeBron was he periodically took days off. And the one to... One thing you can deduce from his poor performance is that he knows his own body. He knows he's better when he gets rest. And if you don't believe me, he looked like he didn't have juice last night, right? Didn't have the juice. He didn't have the ability to hit that turbo button and just turn it on. And maybe that's because he's playing with just one night off in between. And suddenly now he's a little bit more worn down than he he knows that he has to have more rest at this stage in his career. But the easy argument for why LeBron James shouldn't be the MVP is how well he's played when he's locked in. This, the dominance of the Cavs in this series, make no mistake about it, they were still dominating last night before the Celtics caught a heater and the Cavs started messing around and allowed the Celtics to get back in the game. Look, I, I love Marcus Smart. He's an alum of my school. I like his toughness. I think eventually he'll, he'll, can, he'll be a very good player in the NBA. But, but he's not... Seven threes in a game is seven out of ten. Like, dude, that's not who Marcus Smart is. He played out of his mind. Now, he's, incre- he's an incredible competitor, and I thought his competitive toughness and your Rebco talking a little trash and not being pushed around, I thought that was a big part of the Celtics win, but make no mistake about it. Like, he ain't a 70% three-point shooter ever. Not in college he struggled with the three, let alone the pros. So the Cavs are still 20 points better than the Celtics. That hasn't changed. And that points, if anything, to how many games off mentally, physically, the Cleveland Cavaliers took throughout the regular season. The dominance of the Cavs over the Boston Celtics also tells you how much the Celtics overachieved. And since it's a regular season award, though he was periodically dominant, the fact that he wasn't able to get his team to and he wasn't able to dial in at the level of excellence he's had until last night in the playoffs only shows you LeBron can't be the regular season MVP. He didn't play like that for the most part. I have no problem with him pacing himself, but again, the award is a regular season award. But Jordan didn't have nights that he took off. He had bad nights. Everybody had bad nights. But disappearing acts, 
We didn't see that. Losing his confidence? We didn't see that. Pacing his play? We didn't see that. And so I'm okay with admitting that LeBron James is as dominant in this era as Jordan was, as Bird was, as Magic was in their eras. But make no mistake about it. When you want to say better or worse, like, look, there's no argument I can make because it's a completely different style of basketball. But he, he's different now. He's different. He's very, very different. Here's LeBron on not having it. Well, I feel some adversity is all part of postseason. I feel like you have to have some type of you know, adversity in order to be successful. And uh, so I'm glad it, I mean, if it was going to happen, let's ha- let it happen now. Let us, let us regroup, you know, uh, let us regroup and all the narrative and everything that was going on. Let's regroup and let's get back to um, playing desperate basketball, which they did tonight, you know. And, um, you know, so we got we to gotta be a lot better for sure. I, I, I completely agree with that. Like, you know. That, that looked like an NBA regular season game, right? How many NBA regular season games have you seen where there's a 20-point deficit and you're like, ah, it'll be tied in the fourth quarter? It looked like they were playing in Milwaukee tonight and in Minnesota tomorrow night. It, it did look like Cleveland kind of shut it down and started going iso ball and going one-on-one. I don't know if you heard this. This was kind of interesting. This was LeBron James asked a question by a local radio host, Kenny Rhoda. He said this was the back and forth. For you, you said, you know, it was just your game. Couldn't get into a rhythm tonight. Is that what it was based on their defense or just not, not feeling it or what? Uh, no, I was just pretty poor. I mean, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Seemed like you only answer. You only ask questions when we lose. It's a weird thing with you, Kenny. I always come around when we lose, I swear. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, Le- LeBron trying to create an imaginary enemy that's not there. Sorry we couldn't ask you uh, questions about Kendrick Lamar. I mean, I thought it was a very fair question, and he allowed LeBron to elaborate on what led to him not playing well. Did they change their defense, which they did, with the exception of when they left, double-teamed him and left J.R. Smith open late, which made absolutely no sense to anybody. But look, I'm not selling all of my, warrior, my, my Cavs stock not fully investing in the Warriors. They've had times in which they haven't been great against inferior competition in San Antonio. But if we're going to make the LeBron-Jordan conversation a real one, let's make it a real one. And we may not have, we didn't see the defensive versatility or maybe even offensive versatility that LeBron James presents from Michael Jordan. But we also never saw the type of disappearing act we saw last night. It's just one game. All they have to do is win a couple more, and they'll get to the NBA Finals and have, be on that collision course. And we'll forget about this game as we'll judge everything about LeBron James based upon the four to seven games against the Warriors. But to me, last night proved that LeBron, this weekend has proved that LeBron should not be the MVP, that he, they didn't play at the level of, of intensity they have in the playoffs. LeBron James is different than anything we've ever seen. And we talked last week about the Celtics. It's not a foregone conclusion. You have to re-sign Isaiah Thomas, even though he's your leading scorer and he's been your best player all year long.
Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The state of Nevada plans to allow mobile sports gambling at the Raiders' new stadium in Las Vegas, barring an unforeseen change in the future. David uh, Purdom reported that state gaming sites, gaming officials, and the stadium authority plan to allow fans to use mobile apps and to place bets inside the stadium. The stadium lease prohibits any gaming or gambling, um, the maintaining or operating of the gaming establishment and or sports wagering by wagering on racing or other non-sports events. Um, the NFL has not approached me on any policy decisions. That's Nevada Gaming Commissioner Chairman Tony Alamo. He told ESPN, the Nevada Gaming Commission is the policymaker of the state of Nevada and gaming, and they have not approached us in any way, shape, or form. So to this point, the NFL is like, hey, look, it's out of our purview. We're not going to get involved. I'm sure there will be conversations before the Raiders move to Vegas. My thing is this. The mobile uh, gambling, that's the, that to me is the future. That's how you get people in the stadium is the fact that they can wager on anything. Because I, I ask myself this all the time. Why would I go to these games when I can't watch the other games? You've got to give me a reason to be in the stadium. I, I kind of think baseball should take a, take a look at, at this as a way to get the single male to a baseball game. Right? Like, why would you? I mean, if you want to go slug beers and watch a game, you go do so at Buffalo Wild Wings, right? I, I like going to baseball games with my kids because it is probably the most uh, family-friendly environment there is. But I'm talking about the 30-year-old, 35-year-old male outside of going to the Cubs game and sitting in the outfield where you can pick up on all the women that go to the games. Like, outside of that, why would you go? If I can go and I can bet, all right, Albert Pujols is coming up or Mike Trout's coming up or um, uh, Bryce Harper's coming up. I, if I can bet if he's going to strike out. If I can bet situational betting, like, I mean, it's kind of all that fantasy sports is. And so all Nevada is saying is, hey, look, you can do this mobile gambling anyway in the state. Like, we're not going to limit you when you go to a stadium. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? Music? Go ahead. Well, I, the thing that I find interesting about this whole mobile gambling thing is the fact that they're, it's already out there. I mean, like Bovada, can't technically people already do this in NFL stadiums? Like here, here in L.A., for example, if you go yes. to a Rams game, yes. can you it's not a- already do it? I believe you can. You can offshore sites. Now you can't. The the Vegas gambling gaming sites only operate. Only, you only work on your cell phone within the state of Vegas, within the state of Nevada. Excuse me, uh, within the state of Nevada. But yes, if you have yes, it's that's where it's kind of red. Like Vegas is like, hey, you can do this on an overseas site anywhere else in the NFL. Why are we going to limit that and not allow you to do it? here and keep your money here in Nevada or keep it here in Las Vegas and not have you do that. I would agree with you. Uh, Mark uh, tweets the show at uh, OSU Mark. My biggest concern with the NFL team in Vegas is players getting into trouble in Las Vegas. Well, I hate to be that guy, but you can kind of get into trouble anywhere, dude. Right? Like, name me. I mean, how, how many, like, do you think of Cincinnati as a big party town? How many Cincinnati Bengals historically have gotten in trouble until maybe recently, only Pac-Man Jones recently. Like, tell me the NFL town you can't – you can get in plenty of trouble in New York. There's two teams in New York. Getting plenty of trouble in Chicago. You can get in trouble in New Orleans. There is plenty of – there's all the stories of New Orleans waking up in an ice bath, right, and you're missing your kidneys in New Orleans. Hadn't happened to an NFL player. 
So uh, can he get in trouble? Yeah. Yeah. Also remember, um, you're not going to be playing in the NFL for long if these are the things you're doing. And if you're on a, a visiting team, what better place to come? You know your family will have a place to stay. You get to go to a great restaurant the night before the game. You go play, and then you fly home. There's nonstop flights everywhere. Like I, I, I kind of think this is one of those things that we, we so badly overthink. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. I don't think you step into signing an agreement with an airline. Like, you just... I just go and use all the Expedia and Travelocity and Kayak, whatever, and, like, whatever times make sense and have the fewest stops or no stops and cost the, 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 the smallest amount of money. Even when I'm booking it for my company, like, that's what I do, right? That's just kind of normal. Like, I even think, for the most part, when with, even with United, when they took the guy off the plane and he went crazy, whatever, I still think that people will bounce back from that. And they'd still fly United. But this idea that I would step into, fly, like when I fly with Spirit, like I know something's up. Like all you got to do is fly with Spirit once. You're like, dude, I'm never doing that again unless I literally have nothing to carry on, right? Like I'm going to strap a, I'm going to strap my iPad to my, I'm going to tape it around my body so I don't have to pay for it. Um, outside of that, I think of every other airline having about the same policy. The difference is Calvin Johnson, when you sign a signing bonus and it's spread out over time, so that it becomes like a guaranteed part of your contract, you know that going in. That's where I correlate the difference. Uh, Calvin, of course, said, uh, I, I don't want to talk about the Lions too much because of the way our relationship ended. If they see me around here, we'll see. But, hey, I don't know. I don't feel any kind of way. I just feel like I was treated the way I, I – I, 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 but I didn't feel the way – I was treated the way I should have been treated on the way out. That's all. I mean, it's all good. I'm not tripping. I don't feel any kind of way. Just, hey, that's what they did. Hey, it is what it is. Like, I, I kind of think Calvin Johnson looks terrible in this. Don't get me wrong. I think Twitter and young people be like, that's, he should keep his money. Like, dude, you quit in the middle of your contract when you still had gas in the tank. And you're allowed to. Like, he made a ton of money. He was a hell of a player. He's allowed to. He'll go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He is allowed to quit, but the idea like, oh, that's okay. We know you owe us $320,000, but we'll just, we love you. We like you so much. Because what sort of precedent does that set for any player? Right? That, that makes sense. Like, why would, you ever, why would you ever agree to that if you're an NFL team? Because, well, hey, it's good for Calvin Johnson, but it's not good for me. They made Barry Sanders pay back his, his signing bonus. And it's one of those deals where it's like Calvin Johnson's really mad for the way it ended. Like, you quit. (laughs) I mean, you quit. And you told everybody you were going to quit long before you actually did quit. So maybe I'm the only guy, but I don't, uh, I don't feel, I don't feel terrible. Don't, don't feel terrible for Calvin Johnson. I think he's, he's mad that. I mean, like, look, they're still going to welcome you back. They're going to retire your number, put you in the ring of honor. They'll find you some PR job. Like, just this is one of those three hundred twenty grand to pay back sounds like a huge sum of money. But if you just kind of keep your mouth shut 
you're going to get paid as some sort of liaison for the Lions for years and years to come if you choose to do so. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. And now... <laughs> what does the Fox say? Earlier today, uh, Skip Bayless on Undisputed, which, of course, is a TV show you can hear on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, along with Shannon Sharp and Joy Taylor, had this to say about the comparison between MJ and LeBron. I would guess that Michael Jordan sat back at the end of this game and said, really? That guy? Him? He's better than me? The guy who just disappeared? Because I think we witnessed last night, I'm going to make a case for this, I think it was the biggest single-game upset in NBA playoff history, given the circumstance of what happened Friday night. You and I went back and forth texting about Friday night because it was an absolute annihilation, humiliation at Boston in Game 2 when, silly me, I thought the Celtics would show the kind of pride and fight that they showed last night at home in Game 2. Uh, look, he's and and Skip smartly does this, where he combines a couple of things which are true, and then makes it into a narrative of LeBron, you know, his LeBron choking argument, um, which has some validity if you think that that's what happened last night. Um, Skip tweeted this out, which I think is gr- very interesting to me. ESPN's Tom Habelstro said that LeBron has uh, changed his routine at the free throw line 18 times this past season. That's why he's only made 67%. I I think that, look, I don't think that LeBron is as good as Mike, and I think last night was slightly telling us to why. I've said before that he's not kind of that go-to end-of-game score the way that so many other of the all-time greats, even Magic Johnson, who is a better passer than LeBron, but not the scorer of LeBron or the shooter of LeBron. Magic wanted the ball more to score more with the game on the line than even LeBron did. But between the free throws and the fact that he'll lose confidence in his jump shot, he I, don't, I think he only made one jump shot. The other three were layups or dunks last night. He only made four shots last night. He, he, has this, he has this ability as a great player to overthink things, to lose his confidence, to try and change things, case in point, his free throw percentage. And some of that is a badge of courage. It's, I always say this. Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback ever with a bad arm, right? LeBron James is the greatest player ever to not have, have utter, the utmost confidence in his jump shot. And I do think that, that, that Jordan probably sat there last night and goes, are you kidding me? But I also think that if you've watched Michael Jordan or listened to Michael Jordan for the, through the years, even when LeBron's at his peak, he probably said, comparing him to me, are you kidding me? So Skip's not wrong, but I think he's a little over the top because we should point out that one of the reasons it was such an upset was how good LeBron had been up until last night. Speaking of LeBron, here's what Colin Cowherd had to say about what last night's performance for him meant to the Cavs. Michael left. The Bulls were still viable. They didn't win titles without Michael, but they were viable without Michael. They won 55, not 57. And if not for one Hugh Holland's call... They could have gone to another finals. This Cavs team, which is sweeping and blowing out teams by 50, can't beat a Celtics team without Isaiah Thomas unless LeBron's great. I mean, I always knew LeBron was valuable, but you win on Friday when he's great by 50. On Sunday when he's lousy for a half, you can't beat this team without Isaiah Thomas? 
This speaks to his value. The Bulls were still really, really good without Michael. Uh, they were really, really good without Michael. But it, it, you, here's what you have to remember, okay? This is this is a lot like the discussion of Matt Castle. Well, remember, Matt Castle won uh, ten games with the or eleven games with the New England Patriots. The Patriots won sixteen games, sixteen games the year before. Okay, sixteen games and actually won eighteen and won the year before. So the drop off was from sixteen to eleven. That's actually a massive drop off. The same can be said for the Chicago Bulls, who yes. Uh, it's true. When Jordan left, they won 55 games. But they were actually two games back of the Atlanta Hawks. What people forget about that year was the Pistons were a mess. There wasn't a ton of competition. And, the yes, the Bulls won a lot of games, but they weren't the one seed. They were actually the three seed. They moved from the outright one best team in the NBA to the three seed. And Jordan's first season of his full return, that's when they won 72 games. So do I think that Michael Jordan, uh, that, that LeBron's super valuable? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Here's Adam Silver, who's the commissioner of the NBA, on whether or not the dominance of the Warriors and the Cavs is good for the league. I think that we should be celebrating excellence. I mean, people are already anointing these teams as, as, as dominant and, and, and franchise teams. But on the other hand, I look at the Golden State Warriors that hadn't won a championship in 40 years. The Cavaliers, of course, won last year and had never won a championship before in this league. I mean, as you know, you look back at the historic franchise in this league, Celtics with 17 championships, Lakers with 16. I think they have a long way to go before I would put them in that category. Yeah, okay, I I, kind of feel like he's combining two different stories, don't you? Like, Adam Silver's not wrong. Like, people people forget, like, the Warriors were the Clippers. The only difference is that the Warriors won a title, you know, going back to the 70s with Rick Barry. Like, that's outside of that, they were, and they had one or two little little blips. Remember, Don Nelson led them, and Baron Davis led them to an upset of the one-seed Mavericks. And they had run TMC. But for the most part, they were a disaster for 40 years. And the same can, be sa- the same can honestly be said uh, for Cleveland. Like, Cleveland wasn't a disaster, but Cleveland was, they're kind of like what the Bulls are now, where, like, competitive team, they had some really good players. They had Mark Price and Brad Doherty and Larry Nance and Gerald Wilkins. I mean, they had Craig Elo. They had really good players, but they never had the superstar that Chicago had. They could never get over the Chicago hump. So he's not wrong in giving us perspective of, hey, look, these aren't two great franchises, so we should just enjoy the fact that right now they're in the great – this is the greatest moment ever for the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is the greatest moment ever for the Golden State Warriors. But that's still not that, – that still has nothing to do with the discussion that we're having and the fact that he has to ch- – when, when somebody has to change the argument, anytime somebody changes the argument on you, that's because they don't really have a good argument. Right. You're like, well, uh, Commissioner, what do you think about the fact that these are really not competitive series and nobody's really competing with these two teams? And it's the regular season doesn't matter that much. And guys are taking games off. It's like, well, what you guys don't understand is the perspective. on like, no, 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 that's changing the argument. 
This happens in debates. This, ha- you know, presidential debates. This happens in sports discussion. You watch a TV show. Anytime you get into an argument with a buddy, anytime they change the argument, it's because it's the, their argument on the actual topic isn't a good one. Adam Silver knows this is bad for basketball. It's good for the finals, but it's bad for basketball. It's no different. Lon Kruger was our guest. Let me look at my time here. Lon Kruger was, I guess, 50 minutes ago. He's the head coach of Oklahoma, former head coach essentially everywhere. And he said he kind of, like, like Lon's one of those, everybody loves Lon Kruger. He never wants to say the, the wrong thing or a bad thing. But he said, like, look, March Madness is awesome, but games in December and January and a little bit in February, we could do a little bit better job, I think is what he said, a little bit better job of getting some following. In other words, nobody cares about anything in college basketball with the exception of the NCAA tournament, right? I love college basketball. I've covered it for 15 years. I played in it for four years. I've followed it my entire life. My brother is a coach. My dad was a coach. And I, I'm, I'm a junkie. I'll watch, I'll watch a game on a Wednesday night, no matter where it is, if it's a good ball game. I like watching ball. But most of America knows that the only thing that really matters is the NCAA tournament, right? People don't care who wins a preseason tournament or your league. or, You know, they don't care. And I will try and make you care. Like Kansas winning 13 straight Big 12 titles is amazing. But you only have one NCAA title during that run. It's not good enough for people because the only thing that matters is March. You don't want to create that with the NBA. You don't want to create the regular season's too long and nobody cares. And now the playoffs are too long and nobody cares. We already know who the two teams. That's That's not what you want to create. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. His book is uh, Coach Wooden and Me, Our 50-Year Friendship on and Off the Court. The Cap Skyhook, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar joins us on Fox Sports Radio. Cap, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Doug. How's everything? Everything, everything's exceptionally well. Uh, you, you, you've written so many books. You've written books about history. Um, obviously, you have a great passion for sports and for your former coach. Why write this book? Well, I wanted to let people know what coach was all about. A lot of what people relate to him has to do with coaching. And uh, he gave us lessons in life that really were meaningful and helped us uh, live better lives. And I, I thought I'd let people know what that was about. When you arrived in Southern California from Power Memorial, I think people for, have forgotten that you weren't allowed to play your freshman year. How did he help you through that? But, well, not just not playing, but the transition from being a New York City legend to being a player who could not play varsity basketball at UCLA. Well, you know, I, I went to UCLA to get an education done. That was the, the most important thing for me so you know I intended to be there for four years it wasn't like I had to like be in a rush and uh, it was okay you know it was a, a different time then it, things took more time yeah but but I'm, I'm I'm just wondering in the transition from being around your family to being you know so far from everybody else what, what was he like on a daily basis how did he treat you how did he how did he build this relationship which if you have written has lasted 50 years well you know my first year i had a different coach i had a freshman coach so gary cunningham was our, our, our freshman coach so uh, my relationship with coach wooden really didn't get into any high gear uh, until i started playing for him 
and uh, that that changed. That's when things started to increase, and I, I got to know him and understand his ways. And uh, you know, he started to uh, win games and all those great things. But it, it, it took time. It, it it wasn't something that happened all at once. So there are times in which you, you buy in, or you you become fully invested in your coach because you understand his level of investment in you. Was, was there a moment, was there a seminal moment uh, to which the, that, that bond changed to where it was everlasting on or off the floor? Well, I, you know, for me, I think I noticed the way his teams played, and it kind of reminded me of the Boston Celtics, uh, Bill Russell Celtics. You know, the, the, the team, they, they played the smothering defense, and then ran quickly down the court to uh, to take opportunities, easy opportunities. Uh, that's how Coach Wooden's teams played, and uh, it was like something I thought I could do. And the teamwork and the coordination and everybody being on the same page really was uh, what I wanted to be about. It, to, to me, great basketball teams all, all seem to have uh, the, the, the same DNA. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the NBA's all-time scoring leader, six-time MVP, six-time NBA champion, of course, a national champion, three times over in college, joins us. And, like, look, you were so dominant, they took they took dunking out of college basketball. Like, that's how much you were dominating the sport. And you developed this incredible repertoire of, of skills. I, I mean, I know that the skyhook uh, was your signature move, but you had so many more skills, and that's what allowed you to score points for so long in the NBA – what is it in your mind that keeps the low post from being part of NBA offense? Like, what's the? Some of it is the defenses are more physical, and the way the game's officiated. But sometimes it is the the development or lack thereof of the big guy. As somebody who's probably the best to ever score down there, what do you think holds back the center from being part a bigger part of NBA offenses? Well, I don't. It, it's hard to find someone that is consistent enough in the paint for him to get the ball all the time. I was lucky that my coaches felt that uh, I could handle the ball in there, I could score with it, or pass it out when I was double teamed. And, uh, you know, I, was, I, I could be relied upon to do that. <laughs> Some guys, when they get the ball, they're not getting it up. You know, I, I, I've never been that type of player. So I think that, uh, that enabled me to uh, remain a top priority on, for our offense and wherever I was. Because uh, you know they liked the way I played, and I I was never the type of person that had to have the ball all the time. What is it like for you when players mentioned the greatest players of all time, and oftentimes you kind of get glossed over? I mean, like. I, you know, from from sometimes they'll even skip you. They'll go, well, Bill Russell won this many titles, and then they'll go to Magic and Bird, and then to Jordan. And sometimes they, for you, like you, you don't have the biggest ego in the world, but you do have an ego. What is it like for you to not get mentioned? People say Jordan, LeBron, or Jordan, LeBron, and Magic. Oftentimes they don't say Kareem. How does that make you feel? Well, you know, uh, I, they do say Kareem sometimes. So you know, I'm just gonna have to. Except what I can. Do you think it's so because the center is not, it's like, I, I don't know, I'm just, I just try and figure it out. Um, all right, so from your perspective, Kareem, do you think that basketball, the way it's played now, is, is this what, do you like watching all the three-point shots and the lack of low post scoring, or, or would you like it to go back to a little bit closer to where it, where it was? Well, 
I think that uh, if you have a balance, you have uh, opportunity to win the game in various types of, of ways. And the more versatile your team is, the, the more chances you have to win a game. I, I've always thought that. I've tried to, uh, uh, you know, convey that as a, a sound way to to structure a team. So, you know, if you got guys that can score in the paint and who can shoot it from the outside, you have more weapons than the other guys. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, six-time NBA champion, the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. His new book, Coach Wooden and Me, our 50-year friendship on and off the court. Uh, you're somebody who I don't think anybody who listens to you, reads your books, doesn't understand. You're exceedingly bright. I was just talking about the fact that I almost think that sometimes LeBron is too smart. That he thinks too much about the results and the ramifications. And when he misses shots, sometimes he'll stop shooting because of because of the ramifications of missing shots. How did you deal with that? How did you deal with kind of the – I almost feel like you, sometimes you could be too smart and yet you were able to still compete and win at the highest level. How do you tune out the conscience that you had and just play basketball? Well, I think you have to dedicate yourself to the, to the goals of the group. So, you know, everybody on the team wants to win the championship. And if you can give them consistent uh, talent to use to that end, uh, they're going to keep you in mind. So I think that's what teamwork is all about. And you you try to find the easiest and most efficient way to to beat the other guys. And, uh, Uh, you know, that's what makes it interesting. You you were recently quoted saying you don't like the one-and-done rule. So there, there will be there will be people that follow up and say, okay. So do you prefer players going straight out of high school? Would you? What would your if if Cream was in charge of college basketball? What would the rule be? Well, it's really not the uh, college basketball that that determines all of this, Doug. It's the NBA Players Association. They determine how old someone can be to come in the league. So they set the the age at nineteen. So that's kind of like ruined a, a number of things. I think the age should probably be 21, you know, an age where most young people have uh, developed some type of maturity and a work ethic. I think that would be better. Um, but, you know, there are different opinions on this. The reason that they have the D-League, though, is for people who aren't academically inclined or qualified. They can go to the uh, D-League. I think college should be for, for people who are academically qualified. And, uh, you know, that makes sense to me. I, I, t- I tend to agree with you, Kareem. I, I wish they would they would listen to you and, and your voice of reason. Last thing, uh, because I do think this is a book that, that people should, uh, should, should, should buy or should download and should read however they travel to, because the relationship between players and their coaches, the father figure they become, and the lasting legacy and relationship they build, uh, as somebody who played for a legendary coach, I, I, can, I can speak to it. Is there, a, is there one of his – he had so many of these phrases. Is there one that rings in your head, John Wooden, who you played for, that you think of more often than others? Yes, there is, Doug. There's one – and uh, Coach Wooden stole it from Ben Franklin, but it really applies. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Um, it's absolutely correct. And if you don't understand what you need to do and how you need to prepare to get your job done, you're not going to get it done. And, uh, you know, this, this has been a constant uh, thing for me to understand and uh, use to, to be successful in, in my life, and it, it, it works. 
Well, Kareem, it's a fabulous book, and we really appreciate you joining us and sharing your thoughts with us. Thanks so much for being our guest on Fox Sports Radio. Great talking with you, Doug. Thank you, and good luck. Pleasure is mine. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who is, without any question, one of the all-time great. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.